Hello and welcome back to the Polaris Travel Health Podcast. Thanks for tuning in with us again this week. Jaden and I will be discussing traveling while pregnant. Yeah, I thought that this might be kind of an interesting one to discuss, uh, especially given that there are a few things that should be kept in mind in terms of diseases, medications you can't take, things like that. First off, are there any conditions associated with the pregnancy itself that would kind of prevent you from traveling via airplane or otherwise? There are a few things, and I guess the first thing I probably would want to say to start this off is that you would always be advised to check with your physician regarding whether, you know, whether you would be considered at risk for travel and and to go over some of these things. Now, admittedly, some of these things we're talking about, you're going to know you have them. But uh, yeah, for sure, this is something where you definitely want to do some consultation with uh, the physician that's taking care of you during your pregnancy. Some of the absolute contraindications, well, guess what? Active labor. <laughs> that's a good one. Abrupto placente, uh, incompetent cervix, a history of premature labor, premature rupture of membranes, suspected ectopic pregnancy, vaginal bleeding, and any kind of past or present toxemia. So those would be big no's. But I, I think the general thing is if those are relevant, you're, you're probably already figured out you shouldn't go. Some relative uh, con, uh, contraindications would be, you know, history of miscarriage and ectopic, ectopic pregnancy, abnormal presentation, fetal growth restriction, immature or geriatric pregnancies like less than 15 years or over 35 years of age, I guess, would be in those categories. Multiple gestations, so twins or more, uh, placenta previa or other placental abnormalities. So that's quite a mouthful of a bunch of things. But, you know, those are relatively significant things. And, and yeah, definitely want to be thinking about it from that point of view. Definitely. And what specific diseases might prevent somebody who is pregnant from traveling to, say, certain regions or that they should just kind of keep in mind or be conscious of when they're traveling? I think one of the ones we would always want to talk about because it was kind of a, a big deal several years ago, and I think that it still comes up in, in appointments that I have for people today, uh, is Zika virus. So, you know, you know, Zika virus is a viral illness spread by mosquitoes, and it we presume it has somewhat widespread distribution at this point. There was a big outbreak in South and Central America a few years back. We know at this point in time that there's no real serious active outbreaks right now. So the chances of, of running into Zika is probably not as high. But it's in the mind of the public. And, you know, it is a concerning illness in the sense that if you're pregnant and you get Zika, there can be congenital microcephaly, other kinds of malformations in your nervous system, other birth defects. We know the risk is highest in the first trimester, but any trimester is relevant. So the chances of something happening right now, as of where we're at in July 2022, is pretty darn low, but it's it's not zero. Another thing we want to consider in this pandemic world is risk of severe COVID outcomes is greater in those who are pregnant or given birth in the last six weeks. Premature birth, more likely to be admitted to the neonatal ICU, and pregnant people themselves are more likely to be admitted to the ICU. It's relatively low number, but statistically significant. Thank you, Jaden, for the advanced research. I have to chalk that up on, on, on our usual uh, things we say every episode. 1.1% um, <laughs> versus 0.4%. So that is statistically significant. You have a higher risk of being needing to be ventilated, 0.3 over 0.1%. So those are numbers that we have to contemplate. So those would be a couple of the things right off the bat. Another one 
We'll briefly talk about hepatitis E, which we talked about in our most recent episode about hepatitis. If you haven't heard that one, go back and you can listen to that a bit more. But hepatitis E is from contaminated food and water. And if you are pregnant, it is uh, very bad for mom and for the fetus. And the last one to talk about, which I could talk about a lot, is malaria. So we know that malaria can cause severe problems in those who are pregnant compared to the general population. There is a higher risk of maternal death, fetal prematurity, and miscarriage, low birth weight. And really, when it comes right down to it, if you're going to a malaria area, do you really want to go to a malaria area? How vital is it? How necessary is it that you can't delay going on this trip? But here's the thing. You can take anti-malarial medicines during pregnancy. So we do have some potential options there. Okay. So what would you say and what is generally kind of considered to be the safest time during your pregnancy to travel? I think the best time always is in that second trimester, the 14 to 28 week period. And we know that's when there's you're least likely to have some kind of pregnancy-related emer- emergency. Now, when you think about it, even just from a sort of, not even from a medical data standpoint, the first trimester, that's when everything is being formed. And that's when you're always worried about the increased risk of any kind of birth defects being developed there. And also that's a time when you can tend to be quite nauseous potentially. So that's one of the reasons the first trimester has you know limited usefulness when it comes to traveling. And of course, the third trimester, then we're worried about premature birth, even if everything goes well, do you really want to be far away from home and give birth? And that's always a consideration. So that's always something to think about. So second trimester is good. And I'm going to actually throw a little example from my life back in the day. So back when my wife was pregnant for the first time, and we booked a trip, and we actually went to South America, and we timed it out for the second trimester. And it worked out really quite well. We were fortunate in the sense that her pregnancy was pretty smooth, didn't have a lot of issues in the first trimester with nausea, but we were there for almost a month. Now, I think the biggest issue was by the time we were done, she had gotten significantly bigger. So she was having trouble sort of keeping up with the heavy walking schedule that we had and stuff. But certainly it was a very good time. Again, small sample size of one person, but it it was a relatively good time to travel. Well, I'm uh, I'm glad to hear that you guys had a good time and that you managed to plan that out well. But what can those that are pregnant do to kind of protect themselves from things like mosquito-borne illnesses? You mentioned malaria um, and that there's certain anti-malarial medications that can be taken during pregnancy. Yes. So you want to observe usual insect precautions, You wearing clothing. You can look at using bug spray, something like the Icaridin or even some DEET products. I know sometimes people are a bit concerned about using DEET in pregnancy, but there isn't a lot of data that makes us really concerned there. So certainly that's an option. Again, you can always wear more clothes. If you, depending on where you're going and what you're doing, I guess that you know that can be harder or easier, but, but that would be a good option. And also keep in mind in regards to bug spray precautions, it is both daytime and evening. In the daytime, that's when the mosquitoes that carry dengue fever, Zika are out. And in the evening, that's when the malaria mosquitoes are out. So you want to really uh, cover off all the time frames. Now, as far as malaria, there is a couple, there are a couple medications that can be given for anti-malarial purposes. One of them is called chloroquine. Now, chloroquine, 
I don't think you even really ran across this in your advanced research, uh, Jaden, but it's a very old anti-malarial drug and it's very safe and effective in pregnancy, except for the fact that in most of the world, there's resistance to it. So there's almost no place we can give it. Pretty much the last places that it still works is Central America and a couple places in the Caribbean. So, and not even that many places there. Like in Africa and Asia and South America, all the higher risk malaria areas, it won't work. So that one's kind of mostly off the table. The one that we really have as our go-to is called mefloquine. Now, mefloquine, if you did listen to our malaria episode, we did talk about it as an anti-malarial drug. It is an effective drug. You take it once weekly. You start two weeks before you go. Every week you're there, four weeks after you get out. Now, right now, what I would say about this one, this one is a bit funky in the sense that mefloquine can cause some psychological side effects. It can cause weird dreams, nightmares, cause some anxiety, these kinds of things. So we certainly have concerns in regards to that, especially if the pregnant patient has a history of depression or other mental illness. And even not even severe mental illness, we'd be concerned about you know, activating some panic attacks, that sort of thing. Maybe a person hasn't had a panic attack in a long time. So this is obviously a concern. And, and I guess if there isn't a history of that, you still have a chance of having some of those symptoms. But you know, it certainly is our best option. If you have a history of those types of illnesses and you are pregnant, you definitely need to talk to someone who can give you a really advanced risk assessment of what you should do, because that would get to be very complicated. And then you'd really have to start balancing out benefits and risks. And uh, yeah, that would be that would be tricky. I actually had a patient in this week who actually is going to a high risk malaria location and is pregnant. And yeah, we were prescribing mefloquine. And, and fortunately, we didn't have to worry about any of those uh, possible contraindications regarding mental health. So it was a little bit of a sigh of relief because uh, uh, this makes it a little bit easier from that point of view. Right. What about other vaccines or medications that might normally be recommended for travelers headed to certain areas, but that can't actually be taken or administered during pregnancy? So there's a whole laundry list here that uh, I see that you, you put together in the little advanced notes. So I'll talk about a few of these, but right now when you start on with typhoid fever vaccine, you know, either the injectable or oral, they're not recommended at this point. We just, there's not enough data. The oral is a live vaccine. I, you know, I don't think there's a lot of indication that we would really want to go there necessarily. I guess the thing is, is with typhoid, even if it did come down to it that you had, there are possible treatment options. Yellow fever, generally not recommended. It is a live vaccine and certainly there's some concerns, but I guess if you were going to a high risk area where there was an active outbreak and travel is unavoidable, I don't know, that would be a conversation. I'm not sure how I feel about that. I've never prescribed yellow fever to a pregnant patient, but I guess every situation is different, but I would say 99% of the time, it would be contraindicated and off the table. As far as something like a Japanese encephalitis vaccine, there just isn't enough data to back up doing it in regards to safety. So I, I wouldn't Another one to talk about because it's relevant with whole monkeypox thing, the monkeypox smallpox vaccine, the Imvimune, which we talked about in previous episodes, not recommended at this point in time. A couple other things that I would mention, hepatitis A, we tend not to give it in pregnancy, although there probably is some data that could support it. 
Hepatitis B is always a potential option. Just, I guess you'd have to depend on exactly like, have you had doses when you were a kid, that sort of thing. And something like tetanus, that is actually something that is very often given in pregnancy, the tetanus diphtheria and whooping cough in the 27 to 33 week point in pregnancy, it's it's routinely given. So that would be something that could always possibly be given. Another thing would be measles, mumps, rubella, live vaccine. We wouldn't want to go there necessarily. As far as traveler's diarrhea, we probably would default to using non-medicinal methods like rehydration and probably really stay away from antibiotics. If we had to look at antibiotics, azithromycin probably would be an option. But I would say right now that like, I typically don't ever prescribe it because most of the time these infections are somewhat self-limiting. You know, I would usually be somewhat hesitant to go there in that regard. And as far as anti-malarials to sort of wrap up this long soliloquy of mine. The other ones that we didn't really talk about the, besides chloroquine and mefloquine the, is doxycycline, which is definitely contraindicated, and atovacone proguanol, which is known as um, malarone. There's really not a lot of data to back that one up either, so we stay away from those ones. All right. Well, that's good to keep in mind. Moving on to some other concerns, what should be kept in mind when traveling by plane? I think that's kind of one of the more common things to talk about when it comes to pregnancy and traveling. So typically speaking, with being safe to fly, you could make an argument that you could fly all the way up to 36 weeks, multiple pregnancy, 32 weeks. But you really want to talk to your, your your obstetrician and really see during those last three months. The airlines can sometimes have their own rules about these things. You got to remember in these situations, a lot of times it's not necessarily about what's safe, but like the airline doesn't want to have to deal with it. What if something goes wrong? What if there's a problem and they need to make an emergency landing and it messes everything up? So just because an airline may not allow you to fly doesn't necessarily mean it's entirely 100% medical science based. But at the end of the day, they can decide who they want on their plane or not. So so if that's their rules, you're going to be a little bit hard pressed. As far as things to think about, we know that it is a slightly hypoxic, low oxygen environment. So in theory, could you use supplemental oxygen? It could be a possibility. You know, there, I don't know how much data would back that up, but it, you know, it would be something that I'd always be a little bit concerned concerned about. And always want to watch out for gassiness. Uh, that can always be a concern in pregnancy. And I think probably one of the other things is we know that blood clots are much higher risk. Your risk of getting a blood clot when you're pregnant is probably five to ten times higher than it is if you're not pregnant. So it's a real consideration and. You probably want to think about some kind of compression stockings, even not the really hardcore prescription ones, but even just some of the ones you can buy without a prescription. And also, you know, make more effort to get up and walk around. But yeah, it's definitely a consideration. I know when we did our little South South America trip, we got some compression stockings just to be on the safe side. And also be wary about how you put your seatbelt on. You want to have it lower across the more of the pelvis as opposed to the stomach. Cool. All right. What about something like a cruise? So again, think about the cruise. Lots of times the cruise line will have its own rules. And I think in your research, you said a lot of times 24 weeks is a cutoff there. And there's always a concern about is how is your balance? What about motion sickness? You know, we have some motion sickness options potentially. 
that can be given in pregnancy. But, you know, are you already prone to motion sickness? Is it going to be worsened by by being on a ship? That would be a, a concern from that standpoint. Definitely. Okay. Any concerns about traveling by car? I think you always want to think about sitting around for a long period of time like you do on a plane. You want to be careful about the seat belts. Really, you want the like the three-point seat belts, which is pretty much standard in our part of the world. But lap belts might be a thing in a developing country and that would not be that would not be as good because you would be at a higher risk of a blunt trauma in a car accident so lap belts are kind of maybe a bit of a problem definitely yeah i think that that uh, that might be a concern depending on what part of the world you're going to okay any other activities or types of travel that should be avoided or that someone might have some concerns about i think high altitude is a biggie really a short-term exposure to 2,500 meters in an uncomplicated pregnancy is probably not an issue as long as you're not sleeping at a higher elevation. But the concerns here are with high altitude is, you know, there probably is some concern there just in general, but also you got to think about the fact that these higher altitude locations, you may be further away from medical care, which adds another wrinkle to all of it. And a few other things, which I think are kind of common sense, but I know you included them in the notes and I would agree, you know, don't scuba dive when you're pregnant. That one seems kind of obvious. Same thing with water skiing and downhill skiing. So, you know, those are like, they're common sense, but yeah, maybe, maybe we need to say them anyway. Well, hey, who knows? Sometimes, you know, you might not be able to resist the urge to go scuba diving. Yeah, I guess so. I don't know. I'm not, have you, have you scuba dive, Jaden? No, I've not. But uh, my dad used to used to scuba dive, and he uh, he used to really enjoy it. So who knows? There there might be people out there who who wouldn't think that that would be not a good idea, just because that's it's one of those things that they like to do. Oh yeah, totally. It, it's not something I'm familiar with. I've never scuba dived. It's not something, honestly, I've ever had too much of a strong desire to get trained in and that sort of thing. But but uh, yeah, it is certainly it's very po- um, popular and. A lot of people, that is the focus of their trip for sure. So yeah, everybody's a bit different, but I think like as a lot of other things, common sense really should prevail. I would like to think or hope. I would agree. Definitely. Sometimes I I write stuff down and then I think, you know what? People would probably know not to do that, but who knows? Better mention it anyways. Mm-hmm. Agree. All right. Anything else you want to mention that might not be common sense? I don't think so. I think we've kind of covered most of it, you know, I'm always concerned a little bit about how people's guts are going to be if the eating and drinking, but you know, we're not going to really do anything too much beyond start thinking about hydrating. I think really when it comes right down to it, if you want to travel second trimester is good. I personally wouldn't do anything too off the beaten track or too wild and crazy and going to questionable areas where there may be your personal security is at risk. Sometimes you just got to think about it and like, how vital is it that you really go to this location at this time? Now, I've had situations where I've had patients where they have to go back to go visit family, for example. You've got a close relative is dying back in Africa or Asia, and they need to go, and it's they're going. So as a travel health provider, I think my advice is that to other travel health providers is you got to figure out a way to talk to the patient, figure out whether what you can do, if they're going to go, you need to figure out the best way to try to keep them safe and healthy on the trip. 
and I guess there are times where you can kind of do throw up your hands and say like, look, I really think it's a bad idea about you going on this trip. But that being said, I think you got to try and do right by your patient the best you can and, and uh, try and figure out what you, what you can do that is safe and effective and helpful. But uh, yeah, that's can get a little sticky that way sometimes, but you know, that's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to do the, we're supposed to do the tough ones. Absolutely. Yeah. And some people, you know, I suppose it's, it's better to do the best you can rather than to, to let them go with nothing. Yeah. Like it's easy for, you know, I've been in these situations where we had discussions with other providers and, and their responses will tell them don't go. And it's like, yeah, well, you can say that it's not happening. <laughs> like they're going like no matter what you say. So you kind of have to figure out, is there a way you can work with that? So but there have been situations in the past, not necessarily in pregnant travelers, but there have been a couple of times where I've told patients right out going on a trip, like, don't go on this trip. Like, I'm really serious. Like, don't go. Like, I'll give you an example. Again, not pregnancy related, but I had this couple that were going to Burundi in the middle of an uprising in the, oh. like a revolution political. I'm like, you don't go. Like, you're just, I don't know how much more strongly I can tell you don't go on this trip. And in the end, they didn't go thankfully. But it was like, you know, I think they finally realized that there was no real hope of it happening. But that's something to think about. The other thing I just thought of, Jaden, and we we can mention this right now, always check your travel health insurance before you go. What are the rules there? Because you want to make sure that you're covered if there is some kind of complication or an early birth. Because one of the things that could happen is, you could be pregnant uh, pregnant, and they'll cover you during your pregnancy. But if baby is born prematurely, is the baby covered? The, stuff like that. So make sure that you've really delved into your travel health insurance and understand and talk about what are the permutations and what are the possibilities of things? How would that work? So you need to make sure you're on top of that because, you know, we're all hoping everything goes nice and smoothly, but what if it doesn't? Not only do you want a bad health outcome, you also don't want a ridiculous bill that you're going to have to figure out what to do with. Definitely. Yeah, that's actually a good thing to mention. I hadn't hadn't thought about that before. I do recall a case, not like one of our patients, this one that had made the news a bunch of years ago where the baby was born quite prematurely and the way that their insurance policy was written, mom, mom was covered because it was mom was not in great shape. But the way it was written up, the baby wasn't covered and the baby was way premature and needed lots of care and the insurance wasn't picking it up. And I don't know how that all resolved, but I remember it was a thing. And uh, I remember the comment the person had, the mom had, was that she was assured by everybody that there was no chance to uh, give birth and based on her timing and everything. But guess what? The unlikely happened and then it turned into a big mess. I see. Well, that's unfortunate, and I hope that they were able to convince that insurance company to make the payout. Is there anything else that you can think of? Oh, I think that pretty much covers it. Yeah, so it's a lot to think about. But yeah, definitely something where I think you need to talk to someone who knows what they're talking about in order to feel confident about traveling on your trip and being safe and healthy. Definitely. And there's enough things to to keep in mind when you're pregnant, even if you're not traveling. So yeah, definitely worth chatting with somebody about it if you do plan to. Agreed. All right. Well, thank you for tuning into this week's edition of the Polaris Travel Health Podcast. A reminder that the information and advice we provided in this podcast are not a substitute for live medical advice tailored to your itinerary and your medical history. If you have questions or you'd like to book an appointment, please head over to our website, www.polaristravelclinic.ca. 
Check us out on Twitter at Polaris Travel RX and our Facebook page as well. We hope you'll tune in again with us next week. Thanks, Jaden. Thank you.